Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Hey y'all, and welcome to Touchy Subjects Podcast, a podcast that aims to break the silence that tends to come with conversations around domestic and sexual violence. I'm Sean. And I'm Amanda. And today we're going to be talking about safety tools for tabletop RPGs with our special guests, Kiana and Lauren. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. We're we're really (laughs) excited to be here. (laughs) Yes, and we are very excited to have you. Just from the discussion we had last time when we were setting up this, I'm super pumped to have this discussion. But before we jump into it, would the two of you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, So I'm Kiana Shaw. I am one of the co-creators of the TTRPG Safety Toolkit alongside Lauren. Uh, I am also a uh, game designer and writer uh, for tabletop RPGs. So for those of you unfamiliar, if you've ever heard the name Dungeons and Dragons uh, or uh, Vampire the Masquerade, we're talking about pen and paper role-playing games. Uh, When you sit down, have some dice and play a game. And so I get to write for them. Uh, and also uh, do safety tool uh, design and advocacy uh, alongside Lauren. Yeah, my name is Lauren Bryant-Monk. I am the other co-curator of the safety or the TTRPG safety toolkit. Um, And basically the same thing. I'm a game designer. I'm a safety consultant um, for, for games and sort of gaming spaces like periphery app type things um uh yeah oh thank you both for that and like i said we're both very excited to have this conversation because i'm very much a nerd as listeners of our podcast definitely know by this point um so it's always fun when i can combine the two things that i like to do into one thing so in the work doing discussions on like sexual assault and domestic violence prevention and playing Dungeons and Dragons, it's very rare that I get to have a conversation combining them. So thank you. Uh, So just kind of jumping into this then, um, what is the Tabletop RPG Safety Toolkit? Um, Yeah, Uh, so... Oh, you go (laughs) go go for it, Lauren. (laughs) Um, The TTRPG Safety Toolkit is a um, collection of uh, safety tools and resources around safety tools for playing your tabletop role-playing games. If you don't know what uh, a safety tool is, it's basically some sort of um, script or uh, mechanic, some sort of mechanism that you bring into your game to uh, help you navigate around um touchy subjects or um uh uncertain moments where not everybody might be on the same page about what's going on and these are basically uh most of them are social scripts or you know some kind of signal way to signal um that uh we need to stop playing we need to stop role playing and have a discussion about what is going on in the game and what we're going to do going forward so for our audience members who may not really be familiar with RPG games um, and what that really means, can you just briefly describe for everybody like how it goes, how it starts and like where the scenarios come from that people are engaging in in these games just so that everybody's on the same page? Yeah, so I mean, it varies from game to game, but essentially um, the concept is you have a group of people that are sitting down, either they're friends or strangers or whatever, to play this game. Um, usually there is someone who is the game master, and they're the ones who are basically developing the story and the world and the NPCs, the non-playable characters, uh, that the players will interact with and go through during their uh, during their play session. Um, as, uh, as you play the game, there's often a combination of 
uh, of mechanics. So for example, rolling some dice to see whether some uh, an action succeeds or fails, um, some levels of improvised storytelling uh, where people are uh, coming up with uh, elements of their story uh, through role play. So by pretending to be their character um, and by the world responding to it. Um, and together creating uh, an emerging narrative in a sense. Uh, some people uh, come up, uh, some game masters come up with their stories completely wholesale. Uh, they're just making stuff up on their own. Uh, sometimes they go and buy uh, books or uh, scenarios written by other people that can be uh, used as a guideline uh, for playing at their table. And then people who will come in with their characters as players uh, will come up with backstories and will uh, come up with characters and find and find ways for them to, you know, be their own people within uh, the game world. Uh, so there's this element, there's this, again, it's kind of like, um, I like to say it's structured improvised storytelling. Um, you have some, something that helps give you uh, some structure in terms of like rules. Uh, but a lot of the the fun and play of, of tabletop role-playing games is the fact that you're together making up a story and having fun doing that. Um, and so that's where a lot of the uncertainty comes from. You don't always know what's going to happen. Um, and so there's the, the chance of touching upon things that people are not comfortable with or uh, using uh, topics and uh, storytelling beats that pull from other pieces of media um, that also may touch on, you know, things that are uncomfortable to to take a look at or uh, can be triggers for people. Um, and so basically to tie it back into the toolkit um, and safety tools, these are just ways for us to help ensure when we're coming to the table to play together, we know what we want to play. We know what topics we want to explore and not explore in the story that we're telling together. And we also know how to navigate it when we accidentally touch upon those things, um, when we don't realize that we're, we're approaching something that we're uncomfortable with, or uh, we're crossing a boundary that we didn't realize was there before, or we did realize was there before, but we had forgotten in the moment of uh, of having a really cool you know, combat uh, sequence. And we're like, oh, shoot, I forgot because we got so excited that this is the thing that we agreed we weren't going to do. Uh, so it just ways for us to navigate those difficult conversations of consent um, and uh, boundaries and all that stuff, which is, you know, something that we we struggle with and, and navigate in every other aspects of our lives. We just also apply it to uh, the fun of of playing a game with your friends. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, I just think it's really important that even people who are maybe vaguely familiar with what those things are can fully understand what this topic is going to be and how important it is to make sure that everyone that's playing at your table is comfortable with all of the different things that are going on in that game so thank you and i especially like it too even when it comes to like groups of people that you've known for years because yeah you might know these people for a very long time but you might never have had those like discussions about like what are your triggers or what are you afraid of or what would you prefer me to not have discussed or would you not want to be included in a game because those might just not be things that just come up or it's just not something they felt super comfortable sharing so it's nice that this toolkit does kind of help them get some tools to be able to have those conversations that are a bit more touchy or they're harder conversations that they may not have had before So when we're looking at the toolkit, it it was one of the things that I liked about it is it breaks it up into those phases. So you talked about how you have your dungeon master, you have your people who are playing, you have the story that's being built throughout. So when you're looking at starting, like playing this game, you might end up having something called like a session zero, which is going to be that like introduction to the game. This is what we want included. These are the things that we might not want to have included. Or having those conversations about like while you're building a character. Um, so there's like your first phase, your second phase of playing, and then the third phase of like kind of when the game is over, what happens next. And and I like that this toolkit really breaks that up into those three phases for people so that they can see like there are different tools for each one of them. So when you were putting this toolkit together, how did you decide you wanted to break those phases up? And then looking at the techniques given or the tools given. How did you find what tools you felt worked the best for each one of those? 
Um, well, so one of the things that uh, is um, interesting, I think, of, about the, the toolkit and, and the way we build it is that um, we are, uh, what we did was we took um, existing safety tools that other people um, had written over, you know, many, many years. Some of them are, you know, I, I think the the one I know that is the oldest, which may not be the oldest, but the one that I can put a date on that is the oldest is like over 20 years old at this point. Um, and so they we we were looking at all of these um, these things that people created as it sort of organically came up in their games you know they were they created to fill sort of a specific need depending on their play style depending on what was what was going on so um it it's pretty evident uh in when you're collecting all of these safety tools to figure out where they go in the game because a game like a tool like um lines and veils which is a a tool that people can use to um talk about the things that they are okay with um having in the game or not okay with having sort of obliquely referenced to in the game versus the things that they don't want in the game at all um and that tool is really something that you can use um you know in the middle of a of a game and and actually you know uh, Kian and I both recommend that, um, that that Aligns and Veils thing is, you know, kind of constantly being updated, but it's was designed to be part of that session zero discussion to be part of um, finding out what was what people were and weren't okay with so that a GM could go and write a story. Because if you're, you know, like writing a story that takes place uh completely underground all in tunnels and somebody is like oh i'm claustrophobic and that would be terrible um then maybe the gm can can think about okay is it is the tunnels really important part of this story how can i change it to like you know make it a, to to help with that sort of claustrophobia thing or if there's a big spider monster and somebody is deathly afraid of spiders then you know maybe it's a beetle because maybe beetles are less scary. Um, and then there are other tools that are more meant for in the middle of play. One of the, the ones that is probably most well known is the X card. And that one is um, for in the middle of play when somebody kind of, uh, when something happens and someone doesn't want it to happen, doesn't want a topic mentioned, um, they will, they can play an X card either by saying X or tapping a card on the table, um, and then play stops and the, whatever was, whatever content they wanted to X card was removed. Um, and that's really great for in the middle of a game, but it is less effective at the beginning or at the end of a game. Once again, not totally like you can, you can retroactively X card things after a session is over but they're it's most uh it's most efficiently you or efficiently is the wrong term but it's it's kind of best used in the middle of play that was that's what it was meant for yeah well so i can see that being like obviously like best used like in the moment because if that's something they really don't want discussed and the x is used like after the game like they've already had to sit through that and that's not going to be super fun for them when the main objective of playing this game is to have fun. Yeah, I do think it's important, though, that specifically with the X card, and this is this is where the third section of um, of tools that we talk about in or the, the way we set up the, the kit um, is that you can sort of retroactively uh, X card things because sometimes you don't realize that what's been going on has been is triggering to you until after you know you're sort of caught up in the moment or you're disassociating or you're in shock or you know you thought it was okay at the time and then once you have some time to reflect you go oh I really wasn't okay with that um, and that's why where um, 
sort of decompression tools and review tools, this sort of third like post-play tools, I usually describe them as, um, are really helpful to give people a chance to sort of reflect on what just happened in the game, how they feel about it, and to do it sooner rather than later, and to do it in a safe space, um, or, you know, surrounded by people. So you're not just, you know, you don't just leave the game and then you're driving home alone in your car at night thinking about all of the terrible things that happened to you. So just for like um, ref reference sake, like, so maybe in, in our like thing, I'm like, mm, I don't really love spiders, but you know what? It's probably not going to be bad. Like, I'm not going to say anything. And then in this game, my character gets ripped apart by a spider. I go home at night and I have horrible nightmares about being ripped apart by a spider. I'm going to use that retroactive X card and be like, we got to cut that out. Like that can't continue in this game because it's not good for me and my health. Um, so like, but with that though, like you're going to have to really focus in on that communication with your team, right? Like that is going to be what's most important. You're going to have to be honest with yourself. You're going to have to be honest with everybody else that's playing the game. And it's going to have to be kind of a, a trusting circle, right? Like everybody's going to have to know that their, their feelings are going to be honored and that nobody's going to try and step over those lines, at least intentionally. We like, you know, we said the sometimes you get caught up in the game and like stuff happens, but no one's going to be ignoring those things that you've kind of set those boundaries for, right? Yeah. And I think um, this goes back to, so ultimately we we initially developed uh, the, the toolkit as a space for uh, people to go and reference all these tools that exist out there. Um, you know, our, our, our origin story essentially is like we were introduced to, to uh, safety tools uh, in our own plays, um, in our own games, and being like, oh, why have we never heard of this before? It's because they were scattered to the four winds across, you know, dead internet forums and like, uh, uh, you know, social groups that don't exist anymore uh, in the gaming community. And so we just wanted to have a place where we just put everything together for, so that people can have a central place that they go and, and find these resources um, and they can use them because that, that's ultimately uh, the, the best thing about a tool is knowing how to use it and knowing where to find it. Um, but as we were developing it, um, we were also kind of also developing um, this thought of all of these only work if we're creating a culture of care in our gaming spaces. And by that, what we mean is that ultimately the people at the table, your players, your game master, everyone who's sitting there and playing the game matter more than the game itself. Um, because it, we exist in a culture or especially when we were starting in like the 20, 2010s um, where the idea was that the, the game master uh, word was law and whatever you put down the game, you could never take back because that would be breaking the sanctity of, of, of role-playing games, right? There's, there's, you can't change anything about what you did. Um, and that is often what led to people getting hurt at the table um, because it meant that there could be no communication. There was no sense of, hey, like, could we change something about this? There, could, there was no sense of, uh, being able to establish your your consent and your boundaries, and uh, so people would would stumble across their triggers and and have people very gleefully stomp over them uh, because uh, of a power trip in a sense. Um, and so, even in in the best case scenarios where people are just playing a game for having fun and everyone's having a great time, um, there is always the sense that even if something bad happens and you don't want that to be happening in your game. Oh, well, you can't say anything because that's just the nature of the game. Um, and so we really want to push back on that. Um, and of course, you, as we said, uh, as, you, as you pointed out, you can't really use these tools without, without that sense of communication. Um, and by just even just simply saying that we care about the people at the table, that establishes the foundation for this entire situation um, for the ability to 
have your uh, consent respected to have that communication available. Uh, even for people who don't want to use formal safety tools, if they just want to have uh, informal conversations uh, when things come up, if they don't want to go by a script, that's totally fine. But what they do need is they need to uh, prescribe to the sense of well, we're caring for people, we're caring for ourselves, and we're caring for each other. Um, and that comes before all else. Yeah. And just think of how much more fun, like all the players at the table would have knowing that they can talk to their DM and say like, hey, I really don't want this included in this. They are going to be more, they're going to have more enjoyment out of it because they know they're not going to have to worry about something possibly happening that they're not going to be okay with or is going to be triggering for them. Yeah. And it means everyone else also has fun because you know, yeah. if you know what's off the table, if you know what you're not touching upon, you know, you can go very hard on yeah. the stuff that you are all good with. Um, horror is a great example of this, being able to be like, well, you know, I'm not super into spiders, but like, I love body horror. Give me all that. And the, the everyone has free reign to really dive into it. Um, and it's, it's the, like the thrill of, I, I love using like, uh, like bungee jumping as a really good example of like kind of that idea of like you get the thrill of like feeling like you're possibly exploring things that are dangerous or things that are taboo or things that are you know uh, uncomfortable but knowing that you have something that is preventing you from just going splat uh, or, or going into things that you don't want to get into means that you can just kind of let yourself go uh, and and really just dive in because um, you you have a safety line um, you have something that's there to keep you back from from going too far. Yeah, and it's gonna we're gonna keep mentioning it. it's like going back to that communication piece is like that's the most important part of this because, like you said, Ken, this is a collaborative storytelling. Like that first and foremost, that's what RPGs are. It's collaborative storytelling, and if you do not feel comfortable having a conversation with someone about the path you want your character to go, or something you don't want your character to ever experience because like that would be very awful for me to have to like try to envision that happening. It's like that person's one going to be on edge, but also it's not going to be a good story. And if you want this to be a good story and have everyone have fun, you have to be able to communicate. So really kind of jumping into that communication piece then for people who might be afraid or might not feel comfortable having those harder conversations how would you suggest they approach them um i think so it really it really depends and that and that's why you know we talk of what kiana was saying is that sometimes people aren't comfortable using scripts but sometimes people find scripts really helpful to give them the words that um they feel a little bit more uh, or that they they have a harder time uh, coming up with on them on their own. I think one of the things that can really help is um, you know whoever's sort of facilitating the experience to say to to say at the beginning that you know my story is not as important as as your. Uh, as your experience, as your health, as your emotions, you know, I think, I think really just setting that up from the beginning um, can really sort of make a difference. I was playing a game uh, just uh, a few weeks ago with some new people and I wasn't facilitating the experience, but um, they had us all so sort of in break off groups. And I, and I just mentioned like what, what do we want to use for safety tools? How do we want to approach, um, you know, it, how something is going? And and we decided talking at the table that we didn't want to use like a formal X card or we didn't want to go around and do sort of a lines and veils, but we did decide that we, we all made a, a an, we all came to an agreement um, that if somebody wasn't okay with something happening that this was a place where they could uh stop at any time and say i'm not okay with this happening can it happen in a different way and what um somebody shared with me after and this was somebody i had never met before was that by me even though i wasn't 
the GM of the experience asking at the beginning, like, hey, can we talk about how we're going to handle this? Um, it made them feel a lot more comfortable um, immediately. Like it immediately set the tone that this was a place where we were going to trust each other and be open with each other. And as a result, we told a really sort of um, emotionally intense story with like a lot of, um, you know, a, like a lot of romance and, and discussions of like sex and sexuality and things that you wouldn't necessarily normally do with a bunch of strangers but because we had had that discussion at the beginning we felt a little bit more comfortable starting to explore those boundaries and so i think even just bringing up like and, and even if you've never heard of a safety tool before but you but you would like to start trying to use them going i've never heard of this before but i've re i just i just found out about it and i want to talk about it or uh you know i want to make sure that nobody is you know i'm writing a story I, i'm running this game and and you know spiders are a really big part of it i say spiders a lot because i'm not okay with spiders by the way um but uh you know spiders are a really big part of it and i just want to make sure before i start writing it that everyone's okay with me telling a really spider heavy story because if they're not i'm gonna write something different and and just sort of bringing it up is a really useful way to start talking about it because i think people often feel like that is not the norm you know they feel like they are signing up to be taken along for a ride like watching a movie or playing a video game um and so especially new players and so getting getting the being told that you have a say in these really fundamental things uh is a good start so that did make me think of a question though too um when some so if someone is playing and let's say that they really feel like they don't have a say in like the story or like things that are happening what would you suggest to them then uh, well, I, I would I would suggest for them to to take a look at whether this is a, a gaming space where they feel that they can bring this up as a as a as a problem as an issue. Um, do they do they feel comfortable uh, communicating with the people at the table, whether that's the game master or fellow players, um, to address this? And if not. Look at the reason why and see if there's a possibility that this is not the group for you and this is not the game for you. Uh, we we love uh, love saying um, a no game of uh, of no game is, is better than a bad game. If you're having a bad time, if you're if the space that you're in is unhealthy for you, it's it's you're not able to uh, have your consent be uh, you know respected. Um, it is better to find a different game with, diff with potentially different people than it is to try to stick it out and make it better. Um, I think it's, it is important sometimes to, again, realize ultimately this is a low stakes environment. You're able to practice a lot of the real life skills of how to navigate consent uh, and boundaries uh, in your gaming spaces, but ultimately so it, it's not life or death. <laughs> um, and I it is important to sometimes go if this is not an environment where i can feel like i can communicate with my people and because they're not going to listen to me or they're going to dismiss me or they're going to make fun of me get out of there please <laughs> please do something different um that is there are, i i promise you there are there are better games out there there are better people out there there are better groups out there that will respect you and care for you and because clearly they uh these other people, um, if you don't feel comfortable approaching them about this, are not uh, following the the principle of care, and uh, you deserve something better than that. Yeah, and we are in such a wonderful moment now in gaming where leaving a table that doesn't feel good for you and finding another table um, is so easy because there's so much support for online gaming that wasn't there even, you know, three or four years ago when 
uh, Kiana and I started the safety toolkit um, in that, you know, like, I think Kiana and I both um, have had the experiences of, you know, being in the basements of comic shops and playing with the local, you know, D&D group and, and finding that not really the right place, not really the right vibe, having things um, happen in game that you, you know, make you feel like you fundamentally, fundamentally can't trust these people or that they won't, um, they won't listen to you when you say no or, the, or, you know, or even they're just, you know, you don't like their style and you want to find something that's, that's a different style. And so, uh, that's why I went to playing games online. And because of that, I was able to, you know, find my people. And um, I think, I think, I've, I hear so many stories about people um, who stayed at tables for a really long time um, because they felt like that was their only game or they felt like they had to stick it through, you know. Um, cause where else were they going to find people who wanted to play D and D with them? Um, and that's just not the case anymore. And, you know, playing with strangers is really scary at first, but they don't, they don't stay strangers for long. And, you know, there are still technical, like technology limits for some people, but it's so much easier to play, um, with, with more people than it has been ever before so i would really uh i would really encourage anybody who didn't feel safe or comfy with their current gaming group to just play with someone else and that doesn't mean you don't have to be friends with them um or you know that that you're like cutting them out of your life it just means that you can't play games with them yeah we all have people who we can do some things with but not others so this is just one of those other situations where maybe they're not great people to play with, but you still enjoy going out to the bar and grabbing a drink with them. So, Kenna, you've mentioned it a few times now, um, and I know we wanted to hit on this point so we can kind of like transition into it because this toolkit does a really good job of giving people the opportunity, like you said, in a low stake situation to be able to start having those harder conversations that we might not have regularly. So if we want to start looking at kind of trying to create a culture of care, how can one, this toolkit help with that? And then how can we start to kind of pull that out of gaming and use that in our everyday lives? Yeah, I mean, again, so ultimately the safety tools are uh, agreed upon ways in which we have difficult conversations about these things or how we handle when things happen. Um, I like to kind of think about it as, um, you know, how in a, uh, like a soccer game, for example, um, you know, you're playing your game, but if the referee blows the whistle and holds up a card, like a, a red card or a yellow card, everyone knows to stop and respond to whatever that card is. So for example, if you're, if you're playing the game and somebody uh, falls over and gets hurt uh the ref blows the whistle a card is pulled the person is taken off the scene is taken care of and it's just this process that everyone has agreed upon will happen if someone gets injured on the scene or if somebody is uh you know breaking a rule or if somebody's doing you know something else you you just have the pro uh, the processes in place to uh cut out a lot of the the uh places where uh, things get wibbly wobbly with feelings and with uh, the heightened emotions or pain. Um, and instead, you can just kind of follow step by step. Um, and because everyone's agreed upon it, uh, you have no argument about what's right or wrong here. Um, and so the same thing goes for safety tools in the game. You have these agreed upon processes uh, that you bring in. And so that when something happens, for example, oops, we go into something that I'm not comfortable with. I know that I can use this, this script, this tool to go, okay, well, let's do X, Y, Z. Uh, you know, we, we pause the game. We have a discussion about what we liked about this moment, what we didn't like about this moment. We have a discussion about what we can replace it with, and then we resume play. Um, and we can 
look at this as ways of how we can also put that into our real life. Because a lot of the times when we talk about conversations of consent or conversations of boundary setting, we don't have a lot of uh, agreement about what that conversation looks like other than you talk, you come to an agreement that this thing is okay or not okay, and then that's it, right? You don't really have this set process for how you go from point A, which is we have, we, we're both feeling different ways about something to point B, we have agreed upon something and we can move forward with stuff. And so I think um, one, getting people to, uh, you know, accept more of those types of processes in their lives, either creating it themselves or finding, uh, you know, uh, spaces online where uh, people have kind of developed these types of like tools for how do you have these difficult conversations with each other uh, and, and kind of going that step-by-step -step process. Uh, but also two, uh, just like by, uh, finding ways to what, what the toolkit does, what the safety tools do is that they, they let you say that it's okay to interrupt the status quo for your safety and comfort. Um, we live in a society where saying no is frowned upon. Uh, we live in a society where being difficult is considered, quote unquote, being difficult um, is considered a bad character trait. Right? We want everyone to be cooperative. We want everyone to go along with everything. Um, games and the toolkit and safety tools provide a space where you can start saying no to things on a fairly low stakes field to get you more comfortable with saying no to things in other spaces uh, in your life. Uh, so you're not oh, the same uh, for me personally, um, me being able to say no to, you know, having a sexual violence in my games, for example, like, I don't want to explore that, that's not my thing, um, also means that as I get into uh, watching movies or uh, reading books or stuff, uh, and if I can kind of critically then go, okay, um, if someone's suggesting this thing to me, I can go, no, actually, I don't think that I, I don't like this piece of media because of this, of, of uh, sexual violence. And that's just, that's just me. Um, we can, and um, it's just, and it expands further. A, a lot of safety tools has their roots in the kink space. Um, a lot of them uh, have ultimately a lot of, if you put a Venn diagram of safety tools and like uh, kink consent tools, there, there's like, it's 80% the same thing. Um, and so, you know, in, in your sex life um, or in any of that, being able to say no and to navigate um, compromise and while still respecting each other is just a really important thing to practice. Um, games just provide a, a great space for, for doing that uh, with your friends um, in that environment. And then just being able to just go, okay, what processes can I bring into my everyday life? What ways can I say no? What ways can I identify places that are caring for me? How can I provide an environment of caring for other people? I think are just things that you just practice like a muscle um, and that you just keep doing. <laughs> right, because if you can get comfortable in an RPG game saying I don't like this. And if this is what continues, then, and you're not going to respect the fact that I don't like it, I'm going to find someone else who does. That practice can then translate into the rest of your life where you can look at your friend groups. You can look at your romantic relationships. You can look at your work relationships and say, no, that's a boundary I have. And I'm not, I'm not comfortable doing this. And you can learn how to be a little bit more I don't really want to say forceful, but kind of in a way, like be more forceful about your boundaries and what you will and won't accept. And um, it's just, it's it's a way to practice those things with low stakes, like you said, and get comfortable using it in places that have higher stakes. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually one of my favorite things about safety tools is that since I started using them, I felt a lot more confident saying no to other people about other things. Well, and even with 
that like, like being able to say no and flex that muscle and practice it it's not also lost on the fact that if you're saying no to the person who is running the game you're saying no to an authority figure because this is the world that they have created and you're playing it just one character in this big world but if you're able to say no to them and they respond in a way that's like oh yeah nope sorry i made a mistake let's that didn't happen let's take it back let's go do something else or let me just change that around real quick to make everyone more comfortable not only does that make it easier for you to then be able to say no to those in your life who are authority figures but also it gives you a really good model of what it's supposed to look like when you say no to an authority figure yeah it also helps you understand what it's like to be cared for because i think a lot of us who you know have had sort of difficult relationships in the past don't always have the right idea of like what you know true kindness and what true care is i remember one time i was playing a game uh with a friend of my gm um uh we there was a cat and we were we were like uh mice and we were fighting a cat um and i said no i'm actually right now in my personal life i can't really deal with fighting a cat can we fight something else and then we were playing some other game um and a cat came up and a cat got hurt and i didn't really think about it that much but later that night my friend who was the gm in both circumstances uh came up to me and said i'm so sorry i forgot that you aren't okay with cats being hurt um so i'm really sorry that i included it in the game and i hadn't even really noticed it but just knowing that somebody you know remembered that from last time realized that they had made a mistake and felt like they needed to you know make sure i was okay and apologize to me about it when i hadn't even really been thinking at uh, thinking of it really helped model that like this is what like friendship and care is right with that too i mean this also gives people who are maybe not used to being told no, some room to practice being told no. It gives them an opportunity to be able to share those feelings and be that caring person in a world where they might not otherwise feel comfortable doing that. So, I mean, especially if we're talking about like, I don't know, I'm just stereotypically like a male or male presenting uh, DM who is always supposed to have this tough exterior and, you know, be authoritative and my way or the highway kind of stuff, it gives them an opportunity to to work on being able to care about other people and show that emotion until they can get comfortable with it outside of the game as well. Yeah, and and accepting, you know, uh, rejection of an idea with grace as opposed to with defensiveness. I'm thinking about this from the perspective of like if somebody's experienced like sexual assault or domestic violence where they have been in situations where power has been taken from them. Being in a situation where now they're able to have some of that power and say like, no, I don't like that. That is incredibly healing for someone who has actually now being heard by someone when multiple past experiences they may have had was no one listens i do think um an important thing to sort of bring up uh here is that some safety tools are better for different sorts of um people than others and that um part you know we're talking a lot about agency and and you know accepting no i'm not okay with this um one of the sort of most famous examples and and we talk about it or it's included in the safety toolkit is the luxton technique and the luxton technique um is something that came uh, or that is often presented as an alternative to an x card as an alternative to saying no this never happened because um it's important to remember that in a lot of situations, especially situations with sexual violence, like being told this never happened can actually make things a lot worse. And so 
um, when you're looking at safety tools. And that's why it's a kit. That's why it's a toolkit, because there are different tools for different situations. You know, you're not going to use a hammer to like screw in a nail, right? Like it's just, it won't work. And, and so I think, um, it's important to remember that there are different approaches for different things and, and all of that can really help. And um, it's really important to have a conversation about uh, with people about how you're going to handle those sort of situations, because maybe some somebody is needs to pretend it never happened you know, just doesn't want to imagine it happening at all. But maybe somebody else at the table isn't okay with that. And you need to then sit and have a discussion about how you can handle it in a way that is caring of everybody's uh, situation. So really this kind of, this discussion too around those really like hard things that people experience or traumatic things that people experience. And even maybe to a lesser extent, not as traumatic things, but they just want to kind of explore new stuff. Um, playing tabletop RPGs can be a really good way to kind of explore those things like in the lower stakes setting but also it can give them an opportunity to help navigate something that they might not have tried to navigate before or haven't really had a whole lot of success in um, like as an example for myself I have an immense fear of death I am a terrified of dying never going to work on it. My therapist and I joke mainly because we know I'm never going to kill myself. Um, but I can use that fear of death for a character that I can play then in it and explore those themes in an area, in a way that's going to be a bit low stakes and more safe for me to do so than trying to be like, how do I explore death in real life <laughs> without actually doing it? Um, so how can we use not only this toolkit, but tabletop RPGs as a means for catharsis. I mean, I think an important thing to note, as we've talked about before, is that safety tools and the principle of care and everything help you not only tell you what things you don't want to explore, but also things you do want to explore. And sometimes that does include darker topics. Um, there are some wonderful games out there that do explore uh, things that are typically considered taboo or are hard to talk about. Uh, the one that comes to mind for me is Bluebeard's Bride, which is a game about feminine horror, uh, often touches upon topics of, you know, body image and talks uh, about how women are oppressed and the sexual violence and everything that's folded into um, how uh, women experience terrible experiences in their life. Um, and that can be a really wonderful game to play. Um, but can only be really done if everyone's okay with things, the things that are being presented within the game itself. Uh, so that's where you come into the the safety tools of before you start playing, like you all sit down and you talk about, hey, is this an experience we want to have? Are there things that we can uh, we can take out of this or add to it um, that you know will make this a more enjoyable experience for us? Um, but providing the option for people to instead of just saying no, we're not having any. Uh, racism, no sexual violence, no uh, transphobia, no anything in any game ever uh, does take out a lot of agency for people to try exploring their topics um, on a more safe environment. Um, be able to be a space where you can play those out, um, explore them, while also knowing that you have things to back, uh, to back out of them with, uh, to say, actually, can we, can we like take a step back? Can we like ab abstract it out for a sec? Um, can lead to some very, one, very powerful gaming experiences, very powerful stories, uh, but two, also some levels of cathartic experiences for people where they're able to explore something that has impacted them uh, in an environment that is, again, lower stakes because it's not real life. It is a game um, and, uh, you know, delve in Knowing that other people are there to check in on them, will listen to them if, you know, things change. Because people's comfort level will change with time. Uh, that can be from a day, from like a week to week basis, day to day basis, hour to hour basis. Something that I might have agreed to before, I can back out but, uh, in the moment. Right? That is an important part of, of consent and communication is that I can withdraw my consent at any point. So having all these... Um, all these nets for ensuring that 
when you're where you're exploring is is comfortable and fun for you ultimately and or cathartic um and the option to to opt out or adjust is there um is a very powerful experience and we we have seen this across the gaming space there have been several people who have struggled with different mental illnesses or struggled with um you know moments of oppression and marginalizations and sometimes being able to kick a kick a rapist in the face is what you want in your game um and and some and just say barring oh no rape never happens in games ever it takes away the it's kind of like the same way of how we uh some people have issues with just pretending that something never happens uh you know just pretending that the society is perfectly fine or that these things don't happen can delegitimize some people's feelings about their experiences and so just again providing options the entire point of of the toolkit and the tools are providing options for people to have the gaming experiences they want in a place that they feel cared for in a way that cares for others um and ultimately just have fun and enjoy what you're doing yeah a lot of times people talk about you know when people hear about safety tools for the first time and they they feel resistant towards it um sometimes people will say oh they're you know they just want to censor my game you know um they just want to take out everything that's that's fun or you know and and sanitize it all and that's not the point of safety tools like the point is um is not to sanitize but to to you know sort of control in a in a way they're i mean they're guardrails right they're they're making sure that you can you know walk on a cliff and not fall off it accidentally you know you're um and and making sure that everybody wants to walk on that same cliff um at the same time you know uh as opposed to one person deciding that you know they're really into this this one avenue to explore and other people aren't so i i really yeah i think uh, it's important to remember that, you know, this isn't about making things wholesome or, or you know, kid friendly or safe or whatever. You know, as as much as you can use tools to do that, you can also use tools um, to get into really dark stuff in a way that isn't put putting you in danger, and it also isn't putting you know your friends in danger. Nobody wants to like, nobody signed up to be your therapist, you know. <laughs> Unless you're playing games with your therapist. Would not recommend playing games with your therapist. That feels like a a, a breach of some weird weird patient therapist relationship. Maybe yeah. don't do that, but Yeah. But also <laughs> if you're feeling like Dungeons and Dragons or like Pathfinder or any other tabletop RPG is like where you want to explore some of these topics. If you've so if you're someone who's experienced a trauma but haven't talked to a therapist about it, maybe also do that along with having that theme be something you're willing to explore. Because if you haven't really worked through some of that trauma on with a therapist or through some healing journey, it might get real rough for you. If you're like the first thing you say is like, I want to explore this in D and I've done no healing though. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and there are there are therapists who do use game gaming like in a therapeutic practice, um, and it's very cool. But it's only you know they're very strictly controlled situations, um, and yeah, games are. People talk a lot about how games are therapy, or you know, games are therapeutic, and I mean, games can be incredibly healing for people. But um, I think that's another thing to to sort of talk about in safety tools is that like they only do so much like they're only <laughs> they're only tools they're not going to make you know they're not going to heal you well thank you both for joining us today this has been an incredibly fun conversation i hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have um but before we sign out here is there anything that you would like our audience to know or anything else anyway um i mean obviously we love tabletop role playing games this is our, our life and we hope that people are, are interested in checking it out especially because we are building this 
we're we're in a movement right now of of having spaces where we play in games where people care for each other um and i think it's a, it's important to um to also look at this as not just just a game situation i, I talk about how it is low stakes because not real life um but as with the, many other spaces in our media and in what we watch and what we play and what we do um these are all spaces where consent and care and all these things are important and will uh, reflect out into the rest of our life like obviously we want to be here on the podcast if that wasn't the case um and so I think it's it's important to to recognize that all these that consent and care is not just from uh, the point of view of uh you know your relationships uh or uh the stereotypical uh spaces where we think about oh yeah we have to navigate uh talking about what our boundaries are in uh in like a kink space or whatever like they belong everywhere, and there are people and places that are working towards making our our society a better space for respecting consent, respecting boundaries, respecting people as people. So if you are a person who is a DM or who um, owns or operates a space where these kinds of games are played, like a comic shop or a game shop or something like that, this can also be your opportunity to push that out to the people who come to your space and say, hey, I love that everybody comes here and plays these games, but here's something I want you all to try. It's called Tabletop Safety Toolkit, and I just want you to all go through that, and I'm going to post stuff about it, like whatever, like just make sure that that's out there that people can see it, can know it, and can understand it and know that it's something that is going to be required in your game space. Yeah, I I think um, the, the last thing I want to say um, for now is, uh, um, is that if this is your first time hearing about safety tools, um, that's okay. And that, you know, if something happened to you that was very upsetting in a game or that you did something that you really regretted um, as a GM that really hurt a player, like, it's, that wasn't your fault, you know? Like, it's, it's, it's not your fault that you didn't know about these things. And if you're in a situation where you're not comfortable with something that happened and you didn't say something, that's not your fault either, you know? It's... It, we're all on a on a journey of learning these things. So I think, you know, now that you know, you are you're that much more empowered, but we all start from somewhere, you know, we all, we all learned about safety tools for the first time at some point. So, um, you know, welcome to this wonderful journey. But, uh, but don't, don't feel guilty. Um, about not knowing about it before don't feel like you you know had terrible gaming experiences or were a really bad gm because you didn't know about it before well thank you both for that and before we sign out here then if someone was interested in looking at the safety toolkit where could they find it well we now have a website Brand new website that we just launched. Um, it's ttrpgsafetytoolkit.com. Uh, we are also on social media at ttrpgsafetytoolkit if you prefer to get your updates that way. Um, basically, it's a living resource, so we will update with new tools. Uh, we get a translation from uh, wonderful volunteers across the globe. Uh, so uh, we we update with those and we we post on, on social media when that happens. Um, so yeah, so check that out. It is a Google Drive, basically, um, but we have a website that's kind of a landing page that helps explain everything um, and, and keeps it all in one place. Awesome. And then do either of you have socials that you want to push out at all to our audience? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I am uh, at Kiana S everywhere. So K-I-E-N-N-A-S. Um, that's basically my handle on any particular site that you want to go look at um, because there are so many, there are so many social medias. I don't want to list all of them. There's too many. 
Yeah, I was like, usually I give my Twitter, but is that really the is that really the move X, now? Twitter. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm uh, I'm starving soubrette um on most places on the internet or jail underscore nice girl uh, on Twitter, um, and uh, yeah, please come talk to me more about safety tools. <laughs> And I will make sure I have links to the website as well as the, any socials into our show notes for our listeners um, so they can find the toolkit, start using it in their games, as well as follow both of you on all social medias. So thank you all for listening today. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at TouchySubsPod to keep up to date when we have new content and new episodes coming out. Please email us any questions, comments, or concerns to touchysubjectspodcast at gmail.com. And please, rate and follow us on your favorite podcast listening app. It really does help the show out. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects. Mm -hmm.